0: We are live in the Brigino Baseball Clubhouse at 67 East 11th Street in the landmark cast iron building, Greenwich Village, City of New York. We start tonight as we always do. To those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. To those who have been here before, welcome home. Tonight's book, The Dad Report, Fathers, Sons, and Baseball Families, the publisher, W.W. W. Norton and Company the author, Kevin Cook. Please join me as we welcome Kevin Cook to the clubhouse. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I, for a moment, I thought the uh, co-host, Sinatra, was about to join us. We'll see how that goes. To those of you listening to the podcast, you'll have to figure out what we're talking about. Uh, and... Uh, this book uh, well thank you for two things one for uh, coming to the clubhouse and thank you for writing the book I I really uh, thoroughly enjoyed this and I'm sure everyone who reads it and who listens to the podcast I would strongly suggest they go get it because uh, it's really you did a beautiful job well
1: I've I've loved every trip here Uh, Father's Day is a good time Father's Day weekend is a good time to be here Um, and uh, it's it's the uh, ideal setting to uh, talk about a baseball book well thank you
0: thank you And uh, there are a lot of big names in this book, Uh, some of the greats in baseball history, some great names that people may not think are related to baseball history in some ways, Uh, and a certain minor leaguer who some people, most people probably don't know of. That's true. Uh, So before we get to the big names, the minor leaguer, uh, if you could just tell us uh, how the Dad Report book came about, and just a little bit about the Dad Report. Well, the book came out of, of, of
1: my relationship with my BIPOC. Uh, before I go on, I should mention that the publishing news today is, you readers of the New York Times, check out the uh, editorial page. The lead letter uh, in the editorial page today is by Lily Cook, uh, and that was, uh, that was the start <laughs> of uh, what happened today. Uh, and an eloquent letter it is this book goes to my father was a minor league pitcher who blew out his arm in the 40's uh, he never got beyond triple A ball uh, he uh, uh, he gave up he scattered footnotes to baseball history he always told me that he gave up a home run to the Reds, to the Reds great slugger Ted Klozuski that remains in the air to this day and, uh, he bounced <laughs> off Sputnik and then assumed uh, orbit. He, uh, uh, he gave up uh, a hit to uh, his fellow Hoosier, Gil Hodges. He played uh, minor league ball with a uh, fellow... Anyone who goes back to the Beverly Hillbillies, there was a dashing young man named Dash Riprock, who was a, a uh, minor league teammate of my dad's. And you baseball historians definitely know the name Joe Nuxall, the youngest player ever in big league history, uh, who came up to the Reds as a teenager and Joe Nuxall promptly got blasted and sent down to the Birmingham Barons, where another left-handed pitcher was released to make room for him. And that pitcher was our cook, uh, my pop, the subject of um, this book. Uh, and the reason to write the book, I think, was that Dad and I, I think like a lot of young men, I was young at that time, uh, and their fathers don't talk about a lot. They don't talk about religion, they don't talk about their health, their feelings, or politics, but they do talk about baseball. And while working on the book, I talked to any number of men of all ages who would would tell you, you know, my dad and I didn't talk about anything. My dad was a drunk. We didn't have any good times except, I remember we used to watch the ball game on TV. He wouldn't say anything to me except tell me these old stories about Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio. Um... I wound up having something similar, not talking to my pop much at all for 20 years, until later in his life, we began picking up the phone, living 2,000 miles apart, and talking baseball again. You find out that even if you don't say anything except Randy Johnson had 15 strikeouts tonight, that's a way to say, how are you? Or that's a way to say, I wish I'd been watching that game with you. And and it seems to be a more commonplace thing than I had suspected at that time, that there are an awful lot of guys out there in particular, and and it's not just about men either. One of the people in this book is uh, Julia Ruth Stevens, who is now 99 years old, the daughter of Babe Ruth, who throws out baseballs, uh, the ceremonial first pitch, uh, to keep Daddy's memory alive. Uh, But I I think there is a way in which Baseball is different from other sports. We don't we don't look back nostalgically on dunking on Dad or wiping him out with a tackle. Uh, but most of us do, if to the degree that we've played ball, he's the one who put the ball in our hands. To the degree that we follow the game, he tends to be the one that we watch the game on as kids, and and that sticks with you in a way that. I realized as we went along, and I wound up not being his equal as an athlete by any means, so I wound up in clubhouses talking to ballplayers. And as the game has changed, I mean, there was a time when you could kind of run wild in the clubhouse. you wait around, you go talk to Cal Ripken or Bonds when he's in a good mood, or Ken Griffey or Pete Rose in the olden days, any number of other players. That changed over time, and now it's very managed. Uh, Those of you who've been in clubhouses... You don't have much access to players anymore. You might get a minute or two if you're lucky and you want to make those minutes count. And one thing I found over the years is that there's a fail-safe question. Almost all players like to talk about their dads. Big league players, anybody else, they remember their dads pretty fondly uh, and that's a way in. So I wound up not only talking with non-baseball, non-professional baseball families, but with the Boones who have a... 3 generation history in Major League Baseball Um, that was a way in fact that I got Barry Bonds to play golf with me and talk with me at great length Um, and and Bonds is is to me a fascinating character a, a, a tragic figure in some ways because he was motivated by jealousy of Mark McGuire an inferior hitter but everybody else goes crazy for Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa in their great home run hunt and Barry Bonds figures that he needs to keep up. Um, so, to make that story short, I mean, I wound up. It's wonderful the way some of the players, Ripken and, and Bonds and Griffey, uh, they want to outdo their dads. The Boons, who were... Ray Boone, is no longer with us, but Bob Boone was a great catcher for the for the Phillies and several other teams. Who wound up managing the Reds and the Royals, and uh, and then Aaron Boone, whose name you don't mention in Boston but uh, had a very fine moment hitting a home run in the, in the uh, championship series for the Yankees. And Brett Boone, who had uh, several terrific years, they're still one- in, one-upping each other. Uh, I, I remember asking Bob Boone about the famous home run that Aaron hit for the Yankees. And he said, well, you know, remember he was facing, Bob says, he was facing Tim Wakefield. And, and Wakefield throws him a knuckleball that didn't knuckle. He said, hell, I could have hit that ball out and uh, so you go to Aaron and, and say, you know what your dad says about that? And Aaron just laughs. He says, well, that's dad. And then you go to Brett and compare notes with Brett, and he says, you know, my dad never had Aaron's power. I'm saying warning track, maybe, for dad. Uh, it, uh, it winds up being a fruitful line of questioning, I think. And, uh, and I was surprised that there hadn't, there hadn't been this particular uh, book written, and it seemed to be uh, the time to do it.
0: Well, you did a terrific job. And nice. actually, it, it reminds me of a story when a number of the people here, I believe, were here for that event. We had Ken Griffey Sr. here right. when his book came out, Big Red, with Phil Pepe. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of the you know, here's this guy played on some of the greatest teams in yep. history. Basically, every question is about Junior. Right. And I'm like, all right, enough with the questions about Junior already, he's going to get upset but he, he did not you could just see how much pride he had somebody even brought up the comment about McGuire in the home run derby oh, look how look how far McGuire's home runs were right and you could see he got like all of a sudden like this this little thing in his eyes and he's like oh really he goes what would you see about when Junior was in the home run derby <laughs> no. left field center field right field next round right field center field left field there you go. he's hitting him where he wants right. to hit him right you know? And you could see how much pride he had in, it, in his son.
1: And uh, he didn't always. He was, right. prickly. he was prickly about Junior for a long time. And, and they butted heads. And, and uh, uh, Junior mm. was very estranged from his dad for a while, like, like Prince Fielder and Cecil right. are today. But it's one of those neat things that as Ken Sr. aged and got some perspective, just like Bobby Bonds, he wound up being most proud
0: of being his son's father. And uh, I guess maybe a a good family to start with because the father, there's so much pride from... Maybe it was different, but it seemed like these two guys were really a father-son. And he seems in some ways to be a a centerpiece of your book is Ron Davis, Ike Davis. Uh, Just a little about them.
1: Right. Those of you who uh, follow the Mets know that Ike was uh, in competition with Lucas Duda. Ike was all wrong about that. I thought they should have kept Ike and moved Duda, and Duda has played awfully well. They were friends. Ike Davis was the uh, Mets first baseman until a couple of years ago, now with Oakland hurt, having gone through uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, and um, his father, Ron Davis, was the first famous setup man. Ron Davis pitched for the Yankees, set up Goose Gossage when Rich Gossage was uh, becoming one of the first famous closers, and is a fabulous guy. Ron Davis is just a, a great talker and a, a super guy. He coaches high priced travel teams in Arizona today, in Scottsdale. Ike goes by and sometimes wows the kids by by playing uh, with them. Ike, who hits balls past the light towers uh, and, and some just effortless power. But they have a very mature relationship. But uh, Whenever Ike hits a home run, Dad will get a text, and it says, Got him, Daddy-o, uh, referring to the pitcher. Um, but Ron Davis, who... Who lives and dies with Ike's performances and followed him all through the minors and still every at bat uh, really gives him his face and says that Ike is his own man. Certainly hopes that Ike has a successful big league career. But uh, one thing you know we might get to is Ron has what struck me as a as a very wise and moving approach to his son's career in the big leagues. Um, and uh, maybe, yeah, definitely. Really, uh, well. I, I, let's let's that, do a that, little Ike and Ron. Yeah, it? definitely, because that's such that, a big uh, part of the book. This is uh, uh, Ike Davis finished the regular season uh, with the 11 homers and 51 RBIs and a two hundred thirty-three batting average. He didn't need to remind uh, be reminded last year that those numbers look puny compared to Duda's. Duda finished with 30 home runs, the most by a since Ike Davis in 2012. Ike said he was feeling good. Um, He was looking forward to the playoffs, last year's playoffs, when he was down with Pittsburgh and they make the playoffs. So Ron was sporting a Pirates cap at Choya Park in Scottsdale and told his travel team players uh, that they might throw a football around with uh, their hero Ike before too long, but not too soon because we don't want him to come home from the playoffs just yet. Ron then stowed his gear in the truck all but a white plastic uh, ball bucket, and he flipped the bucket upside down and sat on it, Reflecting on Ike's up-and-down career so far, Ron still thought the Mets had screwed up their first base situation, though their bungling turned out to be a blessing. Getting traded had stung Ike, but the Pirates gave him a new start. A homer or two in the playoffs could improve his prospects for this year. Even the injured Pedro Alvarez, who had uh, outplayed him in Pittsburgh, would command uh, double Ike's potential salary in 2015. Despite Ike's spotted history he might be a potential bargain that season slightly bruised goods with an upside proven power at a time when nothing in baseball is harder to find he'll find a place to play ron said still i wondered if that was what the two of them had in mind when they wrestled with the same choice that dave ruth had faced at one time pitcher or hitter ike had wanted to play every day he pitched brilliantly in college It looked like the right decision to choose to be a first baseman when he reached the majors at age 23 and whacked 32 home runs two seasons later. Was it still? There was no going back. But now he might never shake the platoon player label. Maybe he should have pitched instead. Or maybe the game was in the process of screwing Ike Davis. Run out of New York the way Ron had been booed out of Minnesota, pigeonholed in Pittsburgh, Ike might have been to the mountaintop already with nothing but a downhill slide ahead. I asked Ron if that bothered him. We talked about other guys who had deserved a shot and never got it, or got fouled up by minor league managers or position coaches, or got reputations they didn't deserve. Guys who got their shot only to slump or get hurt at the wrong moment, and you never hear their names again. Now it looked like Ike might be one of the snake bitten ones whose chance slips away. I asked, Are you disappointed? Ron spat tobacco juice into a paper cup. Nope, he's a star to me. To me, Isaac could wind up as a fringe player, a pinch hitter waiting for a few ABs to fall off the table. But you know what? He could have played one little league game, and I'd be proud of him. And look at what he's done. He made the high school varsity. That's pretty doggone successful. He was a standout player on a nationally ranked college team, and then a major leaguer. Never mind 32 home runs, he made the big leagues. That makes you a lot better than one in a million. I thought at this point I hadn't made my question clear. I meant the game. Has the game been unfair to Ike? Are you disappointed in baseball? Ron shook his head. It's the best game. And I'll tell you one thing I never liked about fans. When a player's name comes up, they'll ask you, was he any good? And I'm thinking, well, what do you think? He made the major leagues. To me, there's three kinds of big league ball player: Great, greater, and greatest. We still have to see where Isaac fits in. And we're in there together, him and me. The 197th father-son combo. And how are you going to beat that? So uh, that's what Ron Davis thinks of Ike. And, and I come to agree. Ike's already had a great career, even if he never comes back and, and hits his 25 next year for the A's.
0: Yeah. That's that's beautiful. And uh, I want to make sure we leave enough time for a QA and a from our oh, crowd. Sure. But I wanted. There's plenty of other baseball names in here that we can get to, but I want to just skip a little bit. Maybe we'll come back to him. To uh, Michael Jordan, Mm -hmm. uh, who's in the book. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit about Michael Jordan. Jordan, like my father, that's the connection, played
1: for the Birmingham Barons. And I went to uh, spend a couple days with Jordan and talk about basketball. And as you often do with pro athletes, he's pretty tired of talking about basketball. And we get to the end of the pro forma questions uh, and and then I say, you know, my pop played for the Birmingham Barons. And then he instantly warms to talking about baseball and he talks about playing, playing sunflower seed basketball, which is spitting a sunflower seed at a Gatorade cup uh, in the dugout. And how all these double A teammates would crowd into <laughs> Michael's room because Michael had premium cable and the other kids can't <laughs> begin to uh, afford it. Uh, Jordan is seen as a, a flop. I think generally in the minor leagues, he batted 202, uh, and I and I agree with Ron Shelton, who was also in the book and made a very fine ESPN documentary on Jordan called "Jordan Rides the Bus." That it, it is a triumph to bat 202 in your first year of professional baseball uh, at Double A, uh, and and Jordan did it. There are various views as to why Jordan did it. Uh, do sports fans know that? Uh, that people say that it was because he had such gambling debts that he was going to be suspended if he didn't leave basketball for a while. He swears that's not so. And it is a fact that his father was murdered. His father, who always preferred baseball and always wanted Michael to be a baseball player, was murdered after they won their first three-peat with their Bulls. And Michael chose, he knew Jerry Reinsdorf, owns both the Bulls and the White Sox, Uh, and saw a chance to play baseball and realize his father's dream for him. So I wind up talking with uh, Jordan about baseball, and that's what he really enjoyed. And then, you know, then you shake hands at the end of the interview with Jordan, and his his, his hand, which is bigger than, like, Shaq's hand or Kareem's hand, just absolutely envelops your hand. And and he pats you on the back and says, the Birmingham Barons Goddamn, and And that was clearly such a warm memory for him, his time playing baseball. Uh, and and I think the thing that he shared with his father was special in a way that even his incredible basketball career, just in a different way, in a different special way. And maybe it's because I mean, I, one of the one of the lines that, that uh, is in this book is, I came to believe over time that it's not whether your team wins or loses, it's how you share the game. And that is different with this game, maybe because there's so much time, to uh, to sit and talk about
0: him, and the other name I want to bring up before we, uh, which you just did bring up, but a little more about him, uh, Ron Shelton, uh, and and Ron Shelton who who made I, what I think is the
1: best baseball movie, Bull Durham, uh, and and had you know teach the teach the young player the cliches, which is actually done. At, and uh, uh, Sheldon's father was a hell of a ball player, and Sheldon grew up at a time when the nearest he grew up in California. At a time when the nearest major league team is in St. Louis, so he loved his minor league ball, and he patterned uh, the uh, character uh, Crash Davis that Kevin Costner played um, on his father, uh, and and he was what another term that my dad used, which is the greatest thing you can be—a gamer, somebody who does his job, who tries as hard as he can, who doesn't complain, and 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 leaves it leaves at home leaves yesterday's game at home and and gives you all that he can the next day uh, crash Davis the character in the in the movie is a gamer Sheldon saw uh, that as a baseball player the Jordan is a gamer my pop sure was he, he pitched me through screwballs until his arm didn't work anymore and then he came home to teach and coach and be a father and a fine father-in-law uh, and um, and this book is in some way a tribute to not just to him but to
0: Gamers, in general. And, uh, speaking of gamers, let's go to the crowd at this There's point me. and see, uh... Is
1: is the best, best place for gamers game go in uh, New York City. <laughs> Can I get it started? Yeah. This is the heckling, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, your story reminds me of a friend of mine who came off the PGA Tour and was at the State Open of New Jersey. And was standing at the scoreboard and a young pro sidled up to him... And asked him about the leader. Is This guy any good? Which one of my friends said if he was any good? He wouldn't be here. Uh, and, I, and I just wonder. I, I I don't have any concept. How really? How good are these guys on, 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 in the major league? Are they that much better than the rest of the world? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it's. That's what understanding sports is all about. Is where are the levels? And and to play professionally is at a remarkable level. I mean, one of the things that. If, if you get a chance to read the prologue of this, I was a Little League big star in Little League. Well, there's millions of big stars in Little League. Uh, and, and all of their parents think that they're going to be big leaders. Well, it's probably not going to happen. But the dads would come up in the annual father and son game and make a big show. These guys never played in high school. They never played in college. But, oh, they're going to, and they're also going to teach you how to play baseball. Well, my pop, who won 21 games in the minor leagues one year and had fireworks go off on Archibald Appreciation Night, he just sat over there by himself, and he's not telling anybody anything to do until at the end of the father-son game, they invite him to come up and pinch hit. Oh, there's the grizzled old guy smoking a cigar in his car over there. Oh, well, you're, you're a dad on this team. Oh, he comes up and pinch hits. I'm pitching. Uh, (laughs) He twirls his bat. If any of you remember how Willie Stargell used to do that, (laughs) he points his bat toward the right field seats, and then, I mean, the ball—that ball wasn't a Kluzowski shot, but it was still going up as it cleared the fence. I ran home crying, and uh, and then you know, then we we had our discussion about that. That's one of the—that's one of the levels, and and. You know, now I'm, I'm talking a lot with Brett Boone, who's a big part of this book. And Brett is a traveling uh, uh, instructor for the A's. And so he's down at A-Ball. And he says, the guys at A-Ball are so good compared to a good college player. Uh, and, and then, you know, you move up to AAA, and some of these guys are 30 years old. These are, these are veteran professional players. Their talent may not be the same as at A-Ball, but they, they understand the nuances of the game better. Uh, his job is to take each one to the next level as effectively as he can. But I do think it, it, it's like off. That if you think you're a pretty good high school player, the distance to the PGA tour is practically infinite. And I think it's that way in all pro sports. That the distance from the big leagues to A Ball is is a is a galactic gulf. And what Brett tells me is he goes down and sees the guys in the instructional league, he goes up to A Ball, they're they're better. But there's only, and he tells him, one of you guys has a shot to make the big leagues. And the rest of you, you know, I hope you have a, you know, be proud because you're, you're being played to, to play ball. You might top out a double A, and if so, that's a fine career. Uh, but they're not going to get into the money until they, until they make the show, and that's what they're looking to do. Um, but I, I really do think that it's it's almost incalculable for
0: fans to understand just how good the pros are. There's also, just to follow up on that, if you ever get a chance to go to like uh, Staten Island or Brooklyn, which are the eight uh, class A teams for the Mets and Yankees, if you just like watch a ball game, and you don't need to be a major league scout for this, but if you just watch the game, you'll see maybe one guy will look different than the other he's guys. yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. He like moves right. differently you know, it's kind of like, a pushing a Cobb or something, like he's just Barish. different. Barish. Yeah. Well. And then some of those guys, the one guy who moves different, he may not even be, the other guys forget about it. They're never making the major leagues. The one guy who moves differently, he may make the major leagues. Maybe. He right. might top out a triple A. He might
1: get hurt. I mean, that's, that's the awful thing. You see these gifted guys who, who are ticketed for the, the money and, and then they get hurt. Um, but uh, I, I think that's true, and they just uh, they just started their season. Yeah, they just started exactly. Oh. So
0: hopefully, there's some future major leagues out there. Yeah, we're gonna go. <laughs> we're gonna go. That's the great. Yeah.
1: yeah. Of all the players that you interview I and mean, players and personalities you in your the book and your career, who do you think opened up the most to you about the relationship with their father? Hmm. Um. I think. Well, the, the Boones were the most colorful because they will, they have the most stories, and you know talk about uh, you know they're in a the hunting lodge when Aaron at the moment Aaron hits the home run and they all they're all in midair in various parts of America at the same time, all in midair and 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 talk to, about the family dynamic how they all thought that it would be Brett Boone who would have a moment like that. Oh, it's the postseason home run, and it's quiet guy um, Aaron who does. Um, I had. I didn't spend as much time with Ike Davis, and he's a guy, uh, kind of a, a man of fewer words, um, but, but wound up liking him a lot. You can just tell what a thoughtful person he is, and everybody who knows Ike says he's a great teammate. Duda really liked him. Alvarez liked him. The guys that he's competing with for, for at that, um, they all really liked each other. The, the most memorable and most telling, I thought, was after I went down to the spring training. This is in 1992, and chased Barry Bonds around, and it's just sorry, dude. You know, see you later. I'm calling his agent, Go Go Gilbert. Says, "Hey, I'm I'm here. I'm, we we agreed to do this." Oh well, you never know about Barry. And then I go and talk to his father, and we talk, and and Bobby looks you in the eye and says, right, "A lot of guys come around. They're looking to talk to Barry. Do you know anything about him? You know, what's what's his daughter's name?" I was ready. His daughter's name is Shikari, and his son is Nikolai. And son Nikolai is named for the Barishnikov character in a movie called White Knights, because Bobby just loved that. Oh, and Bobby kind of nods, and we have a cigarette. And then it was this father who told Barry to talk to me. Barry still blew me off for a couple more days, but then you play golf. And and it's if you get a chance to play golf with, and this is like a half a dozen rounds with major league ball players, it makes you feel like a short hitter. <laughs> the, ball, I mean, I mean, the ball may still be be traveling on its way to New Mexico. Um funny thing about Barry is he laughs at your best dad shots. And he said, You hit one out of bounds. oh that's just hilarious. And he wants you to see his good ones. But then he sat down and really talked about his relationship with his father and how he thought his father was just too hard on him. And and he resented the fact that his dad never went to his little league game. And one thing to know about major league players is, even if their dads played, their dad didn't go to their Little League games, because their dad was on the road. Their dad was playing his career when they were in Little League. Bob Boone never saw his kids play, the grandpa did. Ray, who was an all-star himself, um, and and Barry is a very emotional creature, and, and resented his father for a long time. Um... And, and did finally open up in a way that, that I never forgot and never will forget and I think it is such an incredible shame that Barry ruined his life and his career um, because he was in such a superior hitter to Mark McGuire he could have been the poster boy for clean baseball the way that Griffey has become but he was a lot better hitter than Griffey too uh, and, and Boone guys who played with both of them will say oh Grippy is Griffy is a once in a generation talent, but nobody nobody could hit like like Barry at his best, and he didn't he'd he never would hit seventy home runs without the juice, but he would have hit forty five year after year and been the best hitter of his time and maybe the best hitter of all time. And instead, they still love him in San Francisco, but even they you know, feel kind of bad about it. Instead, he's he's Tainted, and it's too bad. And Bud Selig uh, owes, has some blame, I think, for that. The players' union uh, carries some blame for for some of that.